Serpent Temple podcast. I am joined by Floyd, my co-host, myself in person, and Callum from Tyranus. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming all the way from Scotland. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah. It's a pleasure. Do you want to get straight into reading your cards? Yeah, we can do. Why um, don't you give them a shuffle? And while you do, you can tell us what you do in Tyranus. So, yep. Uh, so I'm Callum for Tyranus. I do pretty much everything in Tyranus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, um, I play guitar. Um, I'm, the, I'm the vocalist as well. I also write pretty much everything with some help uh, from um, from our drummer, Alistair. And then I'm also having to do all the, the big headaches of, you know, management, uh, promotion, networking, driving people about, you know, all, all that good stuff. So I imagine you've got the, the exact same... Uh, you call it you, you pretty much do the exact same for for loving so minus guitar yeah and driving yeah. the chef handles <laughs> that and he helps a lot with the writing too he does like the majority of the demoing at the moment so yeah i totally relate to that yeah it's i think that's why we get on so well is we you you get it we get it the yeah. hustle it's a yeah it's a hard hard one especially because like now that i've mostly doing all of this and seeing results from it and then looking back at myself from like 10 years ago and be like, why? Why wasn't I doing this back then? It was probably easier back then. There was probably less, uh, less to, less hassle. <laughs> you know, now, now like everyone and their mums doing a, a black death metal band. So, it's, uh, you know, but you know, it's a case of you, you don't sit around regretting it. You just go and make a. You make it happen. Make it happen. You make it happen, and you're here. Yes, I am. Yeah. No, thank you so much. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the longest commute to the podcast we've had so far. Nice. Yeah. Well, hopefully it's something that gets broken quickly enough by someone else because this podcast deserves all the attention in the world as far as I'm concerned. Aww. So kind. Yeah. This is my favorite guest already. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's like you could come on every week. Um, well, we can start. I don't think you can afford the plane tickets. Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see, see what happens when the album comes out. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, all right, so why don't you start laying the cards out? We've got the Inquirer here in the middle, cool. which is you. And you're going to have, I think, two cards either side of the Inquirer. This is mm -hmm. face down. Face down, yeah. <laughs> we had a guest um, not so uh, start revealing straight away the cards. Someone started spoiling it, right? So then I've got those two. And then you got those two. And then they're in there. You could call it all diamond. And then here and here. And then same on the bottom. I love the uh, interview with uh, Alistair. Such an old school oh, metalhead guy that just like every card that came out, he was like, hmm, how can I relate this to heavy metal? <laughs> <laughs> it was great. You want one here. Cool. Let's see if my arms stretch that far. Much like a squid. Oh, we can help with Look the... Oh, oh, oh. That was a Tyrannus related comment, by the way. Oh, wow. Yeah, turn, like, see, that was the other thing. Like, I think more bands need mascots, and it doesn't matter what it is, just find something, and we, we ended up with a squid. So, Yeah, the your... new logo looks amazing, cool. by the way. Uh, yep, big shout out to uh, Fabian, aka Hagiophobic, especially for that lovely piece as well. The He's, RABM uh, patch for those yeah. just listening. He's a, uh, yeah he was amazing he actually made like two logos because i i sent you one of the with the first draft and it had like loads of eyes on it and i was like oh, i love this 
it needs to be a bit more readable and symmetrical though so yeah. like we'll we'll keep that in the back pocket though i feel like that's like i'm not uh, i love the logo um but just because it's a good logo it doesn't mean it always has to you don't know you don't always have to you know just stick with the same thing so. See, because we got given two logos by uh, Christoph, right? Yeah, we did. And I was always thinking, you could always keep one in the back pocket for like merch at some point down yeah. the line or yeah. something. Yeah, it's nice to have two versions of the yeah. logo. Loads of bands do it. Yeah, just like I like it when I see bands that like use like different logos for different eras or different albums. Yeah. yeah. Or like they adapt it as they go along rather than just being the same thing that they just paste. Like Def, for example, they evolved their logo with, with their albums. So Yeah. It's like me and you, Sam, we were having that discussion about the Enslaved logo, weren't we? It was just like, he preferred the uh, the newer one, but I quite like the old one. But it's, uh, I tell you what logo I can't stand, because they're never going to watch this podcast, but Blood Incantation. <laughs> that is not <laughs> a like good logo. logo. I don't like it. It's I just, don't mind it. That's like, for me, that's like just past the cusp okay. of how unreadable a logo, logo should be. I like the shape of it. I think it depends on, on what you're going for as well. Like, like I think like... Uh, like a, an overly spiky logo for a band of guys who are like in their forties and are looking to try and either mellow out or if, if, like we use the word a lot, but evolve the sound is. I feel like you, you definitely need to have some sort of I don't know consistency with with what you're putting out, rather than just being like, oh, this is the logo that we made when we we're fifteen. We're going to stick with that forever, or you know, we're going to try and. Um, make our logo a lot more uh, easily to read and sell because we're trying to sell more albums. Oh, that didn't work. Best to, to go and uh, just um, cynically um, sell the same music to our fans for the next, you know, 15 years now that, now that this is our retirement package. Or you can find a logo that the Kardashians like the look of and they'll wrap it. <laughs> and then uh, that's your merch sales through the roof. Hey, I've always wondered what what the correlation between a Kardashian wearing your shirt and where and and how much success it has after. Like, did Exodus really sell that many more shirts after the, the Kardashians were caught wearing it? I think I think some of the members of Exodus were on board. I know Gary Holt's response was to wear that shirt on stage that said "Kill the Kardashians." Now that I think was actually smart marketing because because yeah. it was taking that and then and then making something edgy off it. Yeah, and not that I support everyone who decides to make a kind of questionable, uh, edgy T-shirt, but I can see where he was going with that. Yeah, so. but I don't know. It just seems to be. I reckon some T-shirt manufacturer somewhere was just like, you know what, metal shirts look pretty aesthetic. They I'm gonna do. market them. Yeah. like fucking raise the margin by three hundred percent, and then flog them to celebrities. Uh, whether they, whether the bands actually see anything for it though, it's like because the amount of, amount of bands that like have, have sold everything off them under themselves and are now seeing nothing for it is, mm. you know, yeah. If they see nothing from it, the thing is because it's that's what I kind of hate about the whole social media influencer kind of thing. There's so many people that think that their exposure is enough compensation. It's just like that's such that's such a fucking just arrogant viewpoint. Yeah. But but in a way it's annoying because you know that there's like an element of truth to it, that it's like that is the way to get exposure, is to have these influences. I'm not I'm not shitting on influencers, but I mean I am in a way. But it's uh just YouTubers. Fuck YouTubers. I'm gonna say it. We're on YouTube. (laughs) 
Oh yeah. What any YouTubers? Specific, well, not a specific YouTuber. Any any specific type of YouTuber that we're we're, we're hearing. So I've got a I've got a good good one for you here, but I want to hear yours first. Okay, well I tell you what. I tell you the YouTubers I do like, and even though it is kind of lazy content, I am obsessed with reaction channels. And I, <laughs> I do watch a shit ton of reaction channels. Particularly, I'm giving them a shout out. Lost in Vegas, which are two guys from Vegas, and they like. They discovered metal and just been absolutely losing their minds every time they hear something they like. Like they discovered Gojira and it just blew their minds. <laughs> and then the U two aren't <laughs> Nina and Shem aren't the biggest fans of Gojira. They're but, all right. Yeah, well, I think they're pretty good. They're they're one of those bands that like, people keep telling me that they're good and I've not listened to them. And now it's like, oh, so many people have told me this now and I don't know if they're going to be able to live up to this much hype. See, so. that's kind of me with Iron Maiden because I've never properly listened. No, to No, no, Iron Maiden, they're pish. Yeah, yeah. they're they're shit. That's, that's just bad. become a recurrent theme. <laughs> hey, all, all guests just end up shitting on Iron Maiden. Not, Except Alistair. Yeah, not, oh, yeah. Not, not Judas Priest out of 10. That's what I put that down as. Yeah, so. that's, I, I mean, love Judas, Judas Priest. Priest. Love yeah. Judas Priest. Mm. Yeah, they should have been the Iron Maiden. Like They should have had the same success as Maiden, I think. Well, They had a similar amount. I think they've had, they've had a similar enough amount. And they've managed to not disappoint their fans for the most part. Yeah, so. and they're not brexit no, not as far as I'm aware. No, away. no, they're not not Brexity Tories. Indeed. Yeah. Even though I was way too fucking tired to enjoy them at Bloodstock when they headlined. Oh man! It being five days, I come. You weren't there for the five days, were you? Or I no, no, I was, I was there for the four days. Four days, but I was physically spent by the time they headlined. I, I was. Their sound, unfortunately, was not good. Oh no! No, it was. I, agree. I remember listening to it and being like oh no, like this sounds so thin. For some reason, Andy Sneap's guitar is way louder than Richie Faulkner's. And I'm like, I'm and I'm going through it and the bass is barely audible. So I'm I'm like, no, is it just me or is it where I'm, I'm sat? Like, so I, I end up doing like, like a kind of like a circuit around like the stage, like, like where I can on the stage, obviously. Um, and it's just not good. And I've I've seen, in the previous nights, I've seen Devin Townsend who like made, made me feel like I was in another world. Yeah. Uh, creator managed to to absolutely destroy everything it was amazing creator was so good that was one of my favorite headliner sets ever ah oh, i mean i mean i've seen creator once before as well and and like they're just so i mean i, I love them just just for, for like their politics anyway because they're, they're lovely and, and actually you know not jaded weird metal guys in their 50s um actually still producing relevant content to you know the world we live in now i don't know where i'm going now, going with this but yeah create a rule so and then even like for a day like the main stage where we were at for quite a few bands i lost my absolute shit to while she sleeps which i know aren't like like probably the most popular band this this room because they're kind of slightly cringy metalcore but i love slightly cringy metalcore so. see i i i love metalcore but the thing is like I'm all about the first wave, and I was kind of like, I kind of like petered off while like the second wave bands were kind of making it super big, or second, third wave. So I actually don't know the difference between while she sleeps, um, Silosis, and then there's another one. Oh, I can't remember what they're called. There's another one I always get the three of them confused with. I'd say like while she sleeps is way poppier than uh, than Silosis. Silosis yeah. are, are still quite a, quite a technical, um, technically minded band. Yeah. Or I'm going by by the fact that like my mate Jack. Um, like covers them all the time and does all their, their tabs. So yeah. shout out for Jack Harris, by the way. Um, what was the original point? I can't remember. Let's flip a card, I reckon. Let's yeah, yeah let's do that. Um, pick any card around the Inquirer. Um, any at all? Yeah. Uh, this one. 
Ooh, okay. The wheel. The wheel. Inverted or maybe just upside down. Do you... Let me read this one to you because that's one of the more... Is it inverted in regards to the... It can mean... If it's upside down, it can mean opposite. But it might be upside down because you've placed all the cards that way. So then it's not upside down, if that makes sense. Yeah, no. Because of the, the angle of the deck when you, when I'll, you place I'll it let, down. I'll, I'll let you figure out the interpretation. You, you'll, probably, you'll probably know when I read it. So, do you have a point? No, no, no. Just, uh, no, no. Okay. I was going to say the inquirer is facing down. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So if that's the way the camera's looking at that card's going to look the right side up. Uh-huh. So then that would be upside down. It would. So I'm getting into the semantics of what upside down Or is maybe we're the camera. That's true. And the oh, it is from our perspective. So I mean, yeah. Yeah. Like the Inquirer is upside down to us. So... So really, uh, we don't we're in the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go by by the fact that the Inquirer is is facing the camera, where the wheel is upside down. So we'll go with that. Okay, cool. Okay, yeah. we'll go inverted. All right. So um, the water wheel is it's a water wheel. It turns in a stream, driving the unseen mill above it with a strong brick wall shown, whilst golden fish swim among the reeds. This card represents the principle of things endlessly changing yet forever staying the same. It stands for constancy and persistence which i feel is pretty good description of uh how you go about promoting your music and working hard and the fact that you've got your mill is turning you've got stuff coming out soon yeah no that's that's a very good good way to put it i mean um i feel like the album that we're about about to put out is very much the result of that persistence um It's it, it. I mean, like the the story of of the album um, it itself is about a wheel turning, uh, the wheel of fate, as it were. Uh, uh-huh. Where um, uh, so the basic concept of it is that like our um, everything that like everyone, every conscious being produces some sort of energy uh, of of themselves, whether that be through their happiness, misery, blah blah. And the reason the world is so awful is because there's some giant horrific beast that feeds on all that and promotes said misery and not in just this world, but, but in all other possibilities. And it, you know, eats us, eats us alive, spits us back out into something else and on you go. And then the, um, the whole sort of hope within that story is that eventually that's, that wheel can be broken. So. It's very Wheel of Time, but the opposite yeah. at the same time. So. Have you read Wheel of Time? No. Ah, fair enough. In that case, forget what I said. No, I don't mind a, a brief <laughs> explanation if, if there's a... Oh. What's it about, like 12, 12 books fifth, about that? It's like, like 14, fact. 15 books this book. Uh-huh. Um, uh, the, in the Wheel of Time, there is a wheel, and that is time. Mm-hmm. And the wheel weaves fab... like threads of time and that's fate uh-huh. um and like the bad guy wants to break the wheel because then he can destroy everything so so it's kind of the opposite but it's the same concept if that uh, makes sense so i think it's cool. really interesting that you've essentially come up with the wheel of time <laughs> <laughs> i can't say I, I i like i uh i made it up from, from scratch there is uh, unfortunately a lot of my uh early influence in terms of like fiction that comes from like a lot of video games that i played as a kid and one of them was a game called Soul Reaver, which kind of talked about, again, a, um, a big, um, this sort of like, quotations, elder god um, who relied on its existence being cycling souls into various bodies. 
mm. and the whole point was was to eventually get rid of them so that, so that people's fates could could be their own again. So oh, that's really cool. That's yeah. a that's a cool fantasy. Yeah. So, so so mine's just a bit more, I guess, a bit more built to what we're we've got these days. Soul Reaver was such a great franchise. Then two games, right? So we won, uh, Reaver two. So it's Legacy of Kane. So you had, um, oh, yeah, yeah. So you had Blood Omen for the PS One and Soul Reaver for the PS One and Dreamcast. Soul Reaver two for the PS Two, Blood Omen two, which was a bit of a weird. It was meant to be a sequel, but it didn't fit into the canon. And then it ended with um, Defiance for the PS Two and Xbox Three Sixty. And yeah, I played all of them. Loved them. Yeah, no, they were great games. Having listened to the album, I just want to say it's absolutely fantastic. And Thank the way you. you've explained ex- explained explains the themes and stuff, it's I kind of got that impression when I was listening to it. I'm not going to give too much away about the album because, of course, I know where it hasn't been released. But I, there is a real sense of hope towards the end, and even mm, like with yes. the the inclusion of some clean vocals and stuff to close off the album. Yeah, yeah, I um, it's it ends up a lot more meticulously planned than 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 most things I do in life. So <laughs> it was. Uh, yeah, it's just been a massive satisfaction. Like you, you'll know yourself when you finally get get something put all together, and you just get to listen to it, and you're like, "Okay, I did it." It's amazing. <laughs> Congratulations! Thank it's you. going to do really well, and we'll definitely. I think I can speak when we're, we'll oh, be yeah. covering it on the podcast for sure. Oh, yeah, thank you so much. And as I said off camera as well, I just want to make the point that I do love your vocals, and I love the blackened Jeff Walker approach. Yes, the vocals <laughs> we all sound share huge. A- <laughs> We all share a mutual love for Carcass oh, on this podcast. Yes. Or as you would say, Carcass. Car- oh, my God. Why do you have to mention it on air? I, wa- I once mispronounced Carcass as Carcass. Carcass. <laughs> Carcass, man. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, yeah, Car- Carcass have uh, basically been my favorite band since I was like 15. So, um, And uh, as far as I'm concerned, the only bad album they ever released was the first one. And that wasn't even their fault. So, yeah. Which album was the first one you listened to by them, just out of interest? Uh, I think the first one was probably Heartwork. Nice. And then I got really obsessed with Necroticism not long after that. Um, and then I kind of grew in a sort of appreciation for, for the rest of their stuff afterwards. I remember when Surgical Seal came out being an absolutely um, an absolute fanboy um, to the point where I went and saw them at Damnation, I think it was 2013, got to meet the whole band because they did like a, a wee meet and greet in the back of of one of the stage, sorry, not um, one of the halls, like where the merch is sold. Yeah. And then I spent the entire. In fact, there's there's a picture on Damnation's Facebook page. It's still of me right up at front row. However, I'm never doing that again. I hate being front row for any any gig now because <laughs> it just results in your head getting kicked in. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's the worst. I remember being front row for Cannibal Corpse many times to oh. the point where I was just thinking, why the fuck am I doing this? All I'm doing is making sure people don't break their neck. Aye. When they come over the barrier. And then Cannibal Corpse also, you get to, to have the, the smell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that particular odour that comes with uh, the old school of death metal fans. Yeah. No shade, I'm one of them, so I can't talk. <laughs> you, you do look like you, you, you at least apply deodorant like, like once a day, though. You give me way too much credit. Uh, that's fair enough, man. <laughs> I'm not bulking right now, so... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've learned so much in this short period of time. Yeah. All right. Shall I do another one? Let's do another one. Um, so that was kind of your future, what you're going towards. Why don't we do the past on the other side? Cool. If you can reach. The wheel always comes up in it. I swear, m- most more often than not, we get the wheel. Oh, so mother inverted. Mm. Do you want me to read this one? Yep. Okay, I'll read this for you. 
Um, so a mother is shown seated in a large wicker chair with her children close to her, the baby tied to her back. It stands for the feminine mothering side in our nature, the part of us that is sustaining and protective, yet at times threatens to smother our individuality. Yeah, uh, I would say like I've got a very um, nurturing and empathetic. Uh, well, that's it's very much me. Like that's what I do. Like I, I try and take care of people that, that I feel like are um, are part of my like mine, as it were. Um, that has caused me in the past to, to end up making some really maybe not stupid, but like long-term bad decisions like staying in relationships too long because i feel like like that person can't um can't be like they can't do without me sort of thing or you know um even something as simple as like it's three o'clock in the morning i'm absolutely shattered after a, a day of working late at work oh some someone's gotten drunk and, and needs to be picked up from whatever i'll just go do that it's fine mm. um so so yeah like like it's it's something i'm trying to keep a lot more of a, a rein on these days where like trying to do my best of like seeing stuff like especially for people who like post a lot of stuff on social media about what's going on with them and then trying to be like is it worth me me messaging this person or do i just leave it to them like is is this does this have to be my problem type of thing but yeah no it's a it's a good uh that's actually a good card that's um I, like in the past a lot of my like what i felt like like oh i needed i needed has caused me to, to get in, into situations that i really wanted to get out of but didn't feel like i could so that takes a, a lot of courage to like admit to stuff like that and i think that's um i think something a lot of people especially i think you know a, a lot of us who listen to alternative music we have like a different way of thinking a different way of being and oftentimes we've gone through hardships that can make us into people pleasers um, or people who like put other people's needs ahead of our own because we don't feel like we're good enough or something like that. So it's it's good to to actually like say stuff like that out loud. For yeah, sure. no, I, have, I fully agreed. I feel like there is like a little bit of a. I think that when I'm talking about about that as well, there's definitely a bit of a a little bit of an ego that comes with that as well because you're thinking like like oh look at how great I am at providing. Uh, you know I can, you know I can give I can make sure people are having a good time and. You know, and if, if someone's feeling like 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 crap, then I'll I'll be there to, to talk it out with them, and you know, spend you know six hours talking about something, and that's got nothing to do with me. Like you know, mm -hmm. like I feel like like a lot of people definitely need to learn how to give each other space. And that's not just in the in the negative way, but also like you don't need to be in someone's grill, like feeding them positivity all the time. Yeah. Give some to yourself. Exactly. Yourself. We are our own mothers at the end of the day, too. It's a, it's a bit of a chicken and egg one, isn't it? Because when you help someone, you think you get endorphins from the kind of like the the act of helping them. But then you think to yourself, am I helping someone because I want those endorphins for myself? Or do I genuinely like want to help them for yeah, their own the betterment? The whole uh, altruism fallacy of like, are you, uh, uh, is anyone truly altruistic type of thing? Yeah. I, I think. I think there, there's, there's honestly a bit of both. I feel like sometimes it is a case of like what you're saying. It's like, oh, it makes me feel good to, to be good to others. So that's what I'm going to do it. But there is also that whole um, empathetic duty, I think, that we all have to, to others as well, where where you might be, um, like whenever I thought about f things to myself, cause I, I, I'm one that always like sort of imagines like, like worse scenarios or 
dumb dumb stuff where it's like oh how would i react in this even if 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 someone that i truly did not like was in a bad situation but it was i was there to possibly help them i would because that's just not like i'd feel guilty otherwise yeah so yeah shall i do another one go for it can i just say um before when mother got pulled sorry to <laughs> counteract this serious discussion <laughs> was something that cracked me up the other day so uh i was listening to danzig mother <laughs> It's a great song in in the living room the other day, and Amy, my partner, sorry for mentioning this, but she got triggered by Danzig's vocals. What? How she, thought, she just she hated his vocals so much. He sounds he sounds like he's in so much genuine discomfort and pain when he's singing that she asked me to turn off the song. He's just he's just an Elvis impersonator. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what Danzig is to me, like, yeah. and that's why I, I kind of like him. It's, it's the fact that it, like yeah. like uh, yeah, it's like. Like, oh, who who is like arguably the most uh, uh, famous and successful rock singer? Elvis. I'll just do that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. It's like it's like when um, it was a similar thing, thing for me was was when the penny dropped. Um, I wasn't always a um, a big ACDC fan because I, I was turned off by Brian Johnson's vocals. Yeah. But then um, my partner Caitlin uh, put me onto the Bon Scott era, um, particularly the, the song "Let There Be Rock." As soon as I heard that, I was like, "Oh my God, Dave Mustaine! You deserve to to be like like you need to give all of your money to Bon Scott's family because you've just been impersonating him this entire time, <laughs> sadly." True. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's true. Especially live, Mustaine's vocals do kind of suffer a bit, don't they? Uh, that's that's a really nice way to put it, Floyd. Yeah. An <laughs> actual way to put it is that they are they are gone. They are, it's like someone's <laughs> going and like ripped his throat out and put yeah. a, a bloody um, carton of cigarettes, and they're empty. <laughs> so that's that's what Dave Mustaine's vocals sound like live. As far as uh, like again, they were one of those those bands that I really liked. For a long time, in fact, no, I loved Megadeth for a long time, as uh, and they probably still are an influence uh, on me. I mean, I did a cover of The Conjuring on the first EP. Uh, by the way, anyone listening or watching this, don't listen to to our first EP. It's garbage. There's nothing to do with it, with the way it was produced or anything. It's just that we wrote it in in six weeks and then thought, ah, that'll be fine. Just don't listen to music that's like that. <laughs> I thought there's some really good uh, good bits on it. Uh, I mean, there are bits and pieces that I'll, I'll redo at some point. But uh, Demon Under Clay, the intro for that is really good. Yeah, that's a cool, that's a cool drum. Like it was literally, um, that was literally Alistair coming up with like a drum line, and I'm like, can I have that, please? It's like because like when we first got together, it was like, oh yeah, I've been working on some cool drum lines. I've got this. It's like the the like with the toms, and I was like, can I steal that? So. Um, but no, like there are bits and pieces that are, that are good on it, and the artwork is really nice. And Lawrence O'Brien, shout out, is um, is uh, like he's the best part of that, as far as I'm concerned. But the rest of it is like we had no idea what we were doing. We didn't think think the band was going to be anything other than an EP. So, and the vocals. <laughs> Don't yeah. do yourself dirty like that. Oh, I, I will. Right, present. Go and tell me what this is. All right. The fool. the fool. Everyone gets the fool. Cool. Don't worry about it. Um, I'll read you the fool. Is that number 12? 32. God, my eyes have gone. I've gone faster than Dave Mustaine's voice. <laughs> so, number 32, we have the fool. 
Piping merrily along, the clifftop away from his house perched perilously on the edge, the fool dances along, skipping over the roots of the tree. This character can stand for folly and stupidity of the sort that brings so many ventures to ruin in oneself and in other people. It can also symbolise the holy fool, the person who can tell us truths of a sort which a wise man cannot. There can also be the sense of someone playing their own tune through life. I probably think all three can apply to me. Um... Being that, like, as a sort of teenager growing up in the scene, um, you end up doing a bunch of stupid stuff um, that you, you learn not to do again. Um, the marching to your, to, to your own tune, that's definitely something that, that I think we, that I do and I've tried to put into the music of Turnus as much as I can. Um, uh, and what was the second meaning, sorry? Uh, the uh, holy fool people who can tell us truths that a wise man cannot yeah I've, I've been told that I come out with some some lines that, that don't um, uh, like one that I, I said to uh, to someone recently was it's it's fate don't fuck with it which is when you and it was, that was in regards to like you know when you finally get with someone even though it's like long distance or, or whatever if it feels right just just go with it so nice but yeah, no, there's, there's a, I think, think that that does apply quite well, and it's, um, you don't really grow out of that. It's just a case of you just learn not to make the same mistake twice. So, it's, uh, yeah. It's a musician's card for sure. Yeah, I mean, like, like I don't think I've ever met someone, particularly in the metal scene, who didn't fuck up once. So, and I'd be very concerned if someone was trying to convince me that they, they were. It's like, oh, you're probably an artist then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like the fool, the function of the fool in like courts was to actually, they, they could say what everyone else couldn't say because mm. they were in that position. And I think it's the same if you're an artist. You're allowed to say things in your own way that no one else can say. Yeah. And point out certain things in ways that people may not realize until you say it the way only you can. That's fair. Uh, let's go for another present card. I'll go the one closest to void. <laughs> when you said, um, oh, you never make the same mistake twice, I was like, oh, well, <laughs> that doesn't apply to me. I've made the same mistake numerous times. <laughs> I don't learn. I make mistakes on a regular basis. <laughs> Prison. Oh, man. Okay. 37. Let me read this one to you as well. So... Um, a manacled prisoner languishes behind bars, but the sunlight floods through into the cell. This card stands for those situations where we are seemingly trapped, where the key is turned on us, and we have no freedom of action. That was probably... That's capitalism. Yep. I agree. Yeah. Fuck capitalism. Yeah, that is capitalism. Uh, that's, that's pretty much... A case... Yeah, it's, it's literally, we don't get a choice in it. We don't get to... We just have to make the best of it whilst wishing for for something much better that is not coming not to say now that's a really pessimistic view i do not consider myself a pessimistic person but considering like what i constantly see in regards to uh, either inaction or or lack of um care by you know um the people that we are supposed to trust with our with uh getting us into the next stage of of uh, of the future uh, I'm very much a pessimist there. Uh, particularly like 
to put it to like a UK politics type of thing, you're you we're making the same mistake as as was in the nineties with Labour, where we are electing people who are, are like we are being led uh, in terms of Labour by people who are only interested in power. They don't have any like qualms uh, about purging a party that was founded by trade unionists off its trade union support off its left wing, etc. Fuck your Starmer. <laughs> etc. <laughs> he Keir Starmer is just a, a definite wolf in sheep's clothing, isn't he? Yeah. I mean at the end of the day he's a star. He's part of the establishment, more so than Boris Johnson in some some aspects. Yeah. So He's more slimy. You can tell he's he's got like shit up his sleeve, literally. I think <laughs> the the th- thing for me is is the way he has carefully um only ever prodded where 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 it is considered quite easy for um when it comes to to playing an, an opposition he never asks hard questions mm-hmm. it's always his his backbench um support that, that does stuff um or that that makes questions that that should be thought about but he himself has got no substance at him at all um especially the way he backstabbed uh, the likes of Corbyn yeah yeah I'm personally hoping that Scotland becomes independent and we can all just go live in Scotland. I, I am quite happy like if we can have Scotland go independent um, and then independence for the north of England going from Carlisle to Sheffield um, and then we can all just like have a, have a big party. Would you rejoin the EU and then we can just go live in France via Scotland? That'd exactly. Nice. Yeah. You know, that that would that would work. That would be really nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's have like a little ferry that goes across like you know what? We'll even give give uh, um, Cornwall and Devon their their independence as well. Oh, that'd be lovely. On you go. Yeah, yeah. let's do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is just annex um, most of like so- southern and and uh, and so- south and southeast England, and then just like you know, cut it out, send it somewhere else. <laughs> send it floating across Exa- the waters. Exactly like right. that. Um, th- there's that uh, Looney Tunes uh, episode of Rebel Rabbit where um, Bugs Bunny saws away Florida. You can do this. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about that. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, will get to that. Don't worry. <laughs> nice. Shall we do another one? Can I just say quickly? I bumped into Keir Starmer once. He was jogging. I'm not going to say where because I don't want to dox him. But um, he's Please much do. shorter than you expect. Oh, how short? He's like a good, maybe like three inches shorter than me, I would say. And he has that thing where when he was jogging, he would look at, he would quickly glance at everyone in the eyes to make sure that no one was going to attack him. I think he just had that perpetual fear about him. Hmm. It was only, I only clocked him maybe like two seconds oh, after he ran past me. But I think that was Keir Starmer. You could have easily like Goldberg speared him as well. <laughs> give, yeah. him, give him a concussion, put him out of action. <laughs> Class <Yeah>. hero. <laughs> well, if it was a Goldberg spear, I would have missed, hit the turnbuckle and concussed myself. Uh, true, so. true. Well, maybe more like a Roman Reigns spear. That's true. He's got a good spear as well. I like Roman Reigns. He does have a good spear. I'll tell you who had the best spear though. Rhino. Because it wasn't a spear, it was a gore. It was the gore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah talking yeah. about wrestling. Sorry. Right. I'm, I, I'm, I am unfortunately a wrestling fan for my sins. That is not unfortunate yeah. at all. No. You're in the right Speaking place. of wrestling, did you see who debuted in uh, AEW this week? Keith Lee. Keith Lee. Yeah, man's finally getting his what's due to him. Yeah. I showed you that clip of Keith Lee, didn't I? It was the, uh, amazing. He, yes. gave a, he gave a beal toss to uh, poor Isaiah Cassidy and sent him about... 20 feet <laughs> yeah <laughs> not to go on uh, not to like like start like going into a wrestling thing but i do my only thing with AEW is that they're taking on so many of like these 
these stars that have like been spurned by WWE where they've not had the runs that they're supposed to have. But there's only so much TV time. There's only one title. Like, is everyone getting a shot? Is it like we pass it on to Punk and then Keith Lee and then whoever else? Like, does everyone get like a, a cycle and then that's it? This is my same criticism. Like, I remember saying like a year ago, okay, stop signing new people because inevitably you're going to have to cut people. And they're just, they're employing, in my opinion, a similar business model that WWE were doing through NXT. You yeah. just sign up as much people as you can. But the difference is, I think AEW are doing it in good faith because they want to give everybody a good home. Whereas WWE were doing it to try and cripple the independents and cripple anybody else from trying to sort uh, of... But yeah. it's, it's like, I don't know, it's, it's like if you've got a bunch of songs to put on an album, you can only put on so many. There's no point in bloating it. Like, it's, uh, like there, there's a there's a funny rule that I, that comes from another podcast that I like, which it's like, no double albums. Just, yeah. like, just, like, put, if you've got enough material for a double album, you need to be putting it down, so you need to be really writing as, as best as possible so you're turning those 20 songs into 8 to 10 good ones. Well, no one's got the attention span for a double album. Like, I'm sorry, but like, the, it's the only one that I I can say that I've sat down and listened to all the way through and really enjoyed was Jerry Cantrell's Degradation Trip. Oh, cool! But that's like a that's an experience more than anything else. Yeah. Um, and you know, I've got all the time in the world for Jerry Cantrell. So. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'll have to give that one a listen because yeah. I know Macedon dropped a double album last year, didn't they? Oh, did they? Yeah, I think so. I've not listened to it because I was just like, ah, it's I too long. It's just too much. 45 yeah. minutes is, is enough for me. Yeah, 45 minutes from that. An hour 10 is as much as I go to. 45 minutes can, can be really detrimental to my health, if, <laughs> depending on <laughs> depending on like how good it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think Bell Witch Mirror Reaper is like the, the limit for me. Yeah, that was um, the thing. Is it depends on the genre as well, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, another piece of music. Yeah, lends to that as does sleep as well. Like you know, you yeah. I feel like there are exceptions. Yeah, prove the rule because there's a lot of a lot. Of, I love Doom. I'm in a Doom kind of band, but like, it's got to be intentional repetition, like we were talking about earlier. That's it, what makes it good. It has to. There has to be a function to it. Otherwise, it's it's just crap <laughs> like it just sounds lazy it sounds like uh we don't have any more ideas other than this one riff so we'll just mm. you know extend it as long as possible um what else um i guess i guess it's t- time for another card eh? go for it uh let's so we're talking about being pessimistic of the future let's try and be oh that's the last card oh, is it, so we keep yeah. that for last keep the the bottom and the top for last right okay yeah or whichever one is the bottom or the top. Now. Okay. Here and now. Here and now. So that's an interesting future card to have now. Because now is the future. Um, let me read it for you. Here's number four. Just turning the pages of my little book. Um, the picture shows a reaper cutting the ripe corn beneath the sun. It is a favourable time for action. The moment is ripe. The time has come to take in the harvest of that which you have sown. I mean, you literally have a song called It Taketh. It Taketh, yeah. That song is about... Um, that's actually inspired by a magic card. No! Yes. We like magic. So uh, Good. So do you... I think... Do you remember the... Was it Ermacool? Ermacool. Uh, yeah. I was torn. Yeah, so... Not, is that honestly no, no, about not, Eldrazi? Not, uh, yeah, it is. So It Taketh is about uh, an Eldrazi card called... It's a green card called Fell of Misery, where if you, yeah. you, you can kill it off to get to... Um, to um 
Scions, that's the one. Yeah, so that's. I'm, I'm like my main deck is an is a um, Tron deck. Nice. Tron deck. So yeah, I really I fucking love Eldrazi. Aye. Yeah. Love Eldrazi. It's like, so cool because it's it 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 follows that same sort of psychology of green cards where it's about swarming the the playing field. And I like I always play um, green blue. So I didn't know you play Magic. I've not played it in quite a while, but it is it is something I indulged in quite heavily um, about five years ago. Oh my so, god. Yeah, yeah. Green blue was, was always my favorite. Simic. Yeah. Yeah. That is a very, very, uh, yeah. It's a squiddy deck. Squiddy deck, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it, it, so yeah, it take if it is about exactly that, about uh, um, someone who, who touts the, the greatness of something whilst quite clearly being un- under control of something else and doing all sorts of awful things behind closed doors. Nice. So, you know, uh, and I like the foul misery because he's dressed up as a bishop. But mm. he's he's obviously controlled by the Eldrazi, so and then he's got a big, um, horrible looking sword as well. So he's quite clearly preaching one thing and doing others, uh, like in the, in the shadows. So, uh, and that kind of falls into the rest of the theme of the album because capitalism is uh, is only upheld by its strongest supporters, who will tell you, oh, you know, you just pull up your bootstraps, make sure <coughs> you're uh, you're you're the son of a. Uh, you know, blood diamond uh, mine owner. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Own the moon. Yeah, own, oh. own the moon. C- constantly exploit your your workers, etc. And and yeah, you you'll do fine. Elon Musk is Emrakul. Uh oh, I wouldn't talk, call him that. No, no. no? Uh, oh, he's he's actually, he's just a he's just a, a big token amongst the, the 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 horrendous plan that we are all s- slammed into. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how that relates to this card, I don't know. What, <laughs> uh, are we well, still I, I, I guess now, it's, it's yeah. about plans coming together, and yeah. you know, we, we've got the album coming out in a couple of months. Um, the future looks bright. The future does look bright. I'm really glad uh, that you guys got got to listen to it and, and enjoy it as much as you did. Can I ask for maybe not not in the podcast because it's for for uh, promotion's sake, but later on, can I ask for any just like any criticisms that you have because I'm always about trying to grow so i don't want oh, okay. to i don't want to just like someone to tell me oh it's really good you know you've, you've made something great it's like all right okay that's that's great and all but how can i do it better the only criticism i ever have well, i know just... but it's not about the music no. i'm not going to criticize the music because i don't think i don't think i'm qualified to criticize anyone's music yeah um but i i will always happily the only criticism criticisms i usually have is about promotion i don't think uh, there's anything to criticize that's that. fair enough. So you do a great job, but yeah, that's. that's I've always good. been just a firm believer in like appraising music just kind of based on how it makes me feel, going off the emotional response it gives me. Yeah. Which is why it took me a while to get into black metal, for example, because mm-hmm. for ages I was always about, oh yeah, that's such a sick riff, and I was obsessed with death metal for the longest time, for too long, too long. I spent exclusively I, uh, ex- listening exactly to death metal. The same as you, so I'm fully on board. So what kind of brought you around to black metal then? Um, but do you know what? Like the first black metal band I ever got into really was probably Emperor, and I think I was just attracted by the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. But it took my musical tastes a long time to appreciate the purpose of atmosphere in music. Yes. And how it can elevate it to a new level. And your music done it. There was so much atmosphere on your album that I just loved it. And I, I don't pay attention to if, if there was if there was a note that was about out of time or anything like that, because to me it just I was captivated by it all the yeah. way throughout. Yeah, it, honestly, like I don't think there's anything to criticize with it. Oh, Genuinely, you. like it's a it's a proper whole entire piece of work. 
it's what I would call like perfectly imperfect. There are there are bits and pieces mm. that I like that like I love listening to to old eighties albums like, like where you can tell that like stuff wasn't all recorded in one go or if it was or if it was they only had a set a limited amount of time and then that was that was it. So there's like some things are going to be a little bit inconsistent um, or there might even be like a slight missed time and in, in, in like a hit or whatever. I love stuff like that. Like, it, cause it sounds human to me. It sounds yeah. like it's, it's been made with a purpose and then with enthusiasm. And when you're enthusiastic about stuff, you're not going to be perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, atmosphere is exactly what we're, we're going for. And I, I need someone like when I'm listening to music, I need to be drawn in. So for when I'm making music, it's not about just making a good riff or, or whatever. It's about, having content inside the music that it's about you know that someone's like okay what's happening next what's happening next not because that's what i'm like i've got um one of my friends shout out again miss mephisto um she makes playlists every week and it's really good for me to be able to listen to music to new music because it means that like someone else is putting that together and i can like all right okay who's and quite often the bands i like will have something like something that's coming up there's a dynamic where i can be like okay they're going to do something else that's, that's going to be really cool or at least cause me to ask the question what's happening next mm. yeah i think you're absolutely right because when you listen to the album you could tell there's been a meticulous slot process and where the tracks yeah. are going to be because mm -hmm. like even like say the title track because it starts with like kind of like a speedy thrashy sort of riff yeah and it was like perfectly placed and i was like that's exactly what that album needed at that exact moment track listing is so important yes it is feel like so many bands get that wrong yeah um i remember listening to so we were talking about my love for carcass earlier on and i love the heartwork album but i do feel like it's track listing is a bit off i feel like there's there are i would put certain tracks in in different places if i was the one putting that together yeah because i feel like it works better if you say so you start off something strong like Betty Dreams is a good a good opener but I would also argue that the, the title track itself could have opened yeah. it because it's it's kind of like a good summary of the album yeah um I think Carnal Forge would could have been a good opener as well personally uh, how does that start again yes yeah 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 no I, that, that would be a really good good opener where if, if you just want to start right in the bang but then yeah. i could also say that colonel forge maybe could have been better off being in the middle yeah because that because mm -hmm. it's it picks up the pace after like if because what you've got like it goes very dreams colonel forge um what's the no love lost heart work embodiment I feel like where embodiment kind of comes in, you could have um, after embodiment, you could have done done with that, and then maybe switch that with with something like Arbite Mike Flesh or something like that. Yeah, that's that's getting to the technical. Aspect. That's just an example, but like I feel you need to have your track listing sorted out because you have to keep people pulled in, yeah. and that's also why writing a concept album is cool because you've got that in mind already. So when yeah. you're writing up up the music and then you're putting it into a track listing, you need to, your lyrics need to be flowing. But that also means the music has to too, which is why I like Necroticism more because that feels like it's track listing is pretty much banging. Yeah. And especially if you look at the last album, Torn Arteries, right? Last track is a Scythe's Remorseless Swing. Oh my God. And that is like, they saved so much good shit for the last track that it was just such, just came out of left field. With that's, like, that's my other rule. Save your best song for the last the part of the album. Yeah. 
like uh, don't uh, don't open up with the best one because then you're just because then there's nothing to build up to it's like painkiller great album but it absolutely smack like loses itself in its first uh, first song you're 100 percent right on that i do really like hell patrol as mm-hmm. well like i think that is an absolute great track but like there is no other track on that album that sounds anything close to painkiller painkiller should have been last same uh, goes for in tomb's left hand path that first that that's the um first song should have been the last yeah no, that's a good point god I'm missing tombs. Rest in peace, LG Petrov. I feel like I say that every like third week or so yeah. in this podcast. Fair enough, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, what, what shall I do next? Go to the past. Go to the past. All right. What's uh, What's next in Mother? The Sun. Oh wow. I think you're right. By the way, I think it is exactly how I placed them because I've got them. All. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. think they're all inverted yeah. at all. Yeah, that's it's confusing, but yeah. only the inquiry. You're inverted. It's very metal. Yep. Um, that is number. Is that number thirty? The sun. Is it twenty or thirty? Yeah, I'm not gonna. I even need an eye test. My sight is terrible. Thank you. All right. Yeah, I need to go to an optician after this. Uh, da, 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 da. The seven symbols. The sun is one of the seven symbols. Um, so it stands high over the harvest field with wheat sheaves, ripe corn, and corn flowers. Children skip around a maypole in a celebration of fertility of the land. The sun stands for power, energy, and creative forces behind the universe, a male sign. It symbolizes confidence and success and a benign influence on all around it. It represents the conscious power of the intellect. Damn. Good to have next to the mother. I know. I think. Um Yeah, it applies to a lot of different things. Whether that be the, the funny thing being that is that like I would when we come, especially when it comes to how we as a we as a culture like measure intellect and intelligence, I feel like often it's it's put together with like academic success, which I've had very little of until recently, um, and I think. Um, and I think, especially when it came to music, I was still very much what I would call like intellectually starved, as it were, where I was more content to play in other people's bands than I was my own. And, uh, and yeah, it was only maybe like a few years ago where anxiety kind of drove me to create earnest that, that, that I finally started doing like putting my own creative energy energies into something rather than just being on like coasting in the back. So the sun rose that day, I guess. Um, I don't know if I'm interpreting that card right or not, but it doesn't matter. There's no, uh, no one's going to come with like a clipboard at the end. Aye, that's fine. But no, in in general, I feel like a lot of the time I've, this could also be a mental health thing as as well, because there's, there is stuff I'm getting seen about at the moment, but, um, I feel feel like I was always, I, I never felt smarter than, than than others, but I certainly tried to, you know, memorize more things or, or learn more than uh, from like from my mistakes, like like with the mother, um, and that sort of thing. Yeah, I really like how these cards really really make you think about things like this. Yeah, it's a yeah. really cool way to get to know someone as well. Yeah. Yeah, and you, yeah, yourself. I do it for myself every so often. Ah, just that's like, cool. Damn, <laughs> brain expansions. Yeah, no, it's cool. I, I really like the the juxtaposition with the son and mother of like femininity and masculinity, mm-hmm. of like the part of you that helps 
and the part of you that that kind of contemplates and yeah but yeah I I get what you mean about how we intel we measure intelligence kind of through academic success and really academic success is how much money can you make pretty much Uh, like you had that thing of um what's the mental location times three women Uh, wait what mental location times three women what was the, the who who was it the that came out with the that stupid quote of like oh just stop um stop your your Netflix and gym subscriptions and your oh lives. the also that's the one yeah, yeah again so, someone who came from a very wealthy background was considered quite smart because obviously she's worked in regards to presenting uh, housing uh, related um, shows for the last twenty years but realistically all of her success was bought for her uh, before she was even born. Yeah, her father was like, what, a duke or something? Baron. Baron, that's it. Oh, just a baron. Uh, Not a duke, just a baron. Same with that, man. But was it the Love Island person that said about the 24 hours in a day thing? Oh, that just, yeah. She, she was only, she literally uh, locked it into her success by being picked to, to go on a show and then and then that was it. That's wow. it. Like, we, we prescribe so much importance to the words of these people when they mean nothing. Mm-hmm. But because they, it's not even them, it's it's the the platforms that they have are considered more important than them. But if they are on it, then it's like, oh, okay, well, they're, they're on the, the magic box. So like, let's, let's listen to them. Um, the juxtaposition to that being that, like, uh, hypothetically, if this became the, the biggest podcast ever, would that make us any more intelligent than we are? Probably not. We'd probably think we're more intelligent than we are. I mean, well, look what I did to Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right? Turn, like, turn that idea into thinking he's he's a gospel, um, you know, maker. So, yeah. Um, I feel like, if, to be honest, I feel like everyone needs to have that type of self-consciousness where they, they need to be aware of what they're saying, how their words uh, can be interpreted and what impact they have. And the does being out of touch because of your position in life and your age make you a bad person? No, but you certainly have a responsibility for your words. Nice, yeah. So I that mean, see that plays into the fool. Oh, it yeah. does. <laughs> it does. And the wheel going round things yeah. stay the same and yet they change. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, we're connected up. Oh yeah. It's all coming together. Let's turn over another card. We'll go. We've got two left in the present, possible uh, one each on past and future. So we'll go with that. Oh, this is inverted friendship. Hey. All right. Do you want me to read this one? Yep. Okay. Unless every, unless this is the one that's not inverted. Uh, whatever. <laughs> we'll find out. So friendship, free comrades. I like the use of uh, language there. Are seen drinking in a tavern with a hint of a fourth about to join them. Wines and spirits in barrels in the background and an exotic bird. The atmosphere is cheerful and the beer is flowing. The card shows that aspect of life that centres around friends, comradeship and sociability. It stands for parties and togetherness. Uh, I mean, being a, I, I've... Um, being a, I, I've kind of like dunked you guys into like having a party later on today. <laughs> probably <laughs> says a lot about that. <laughs> Very sorry about that. Um, the uh, but yeah, friendship is incredibly important to me. Like that's there's a like I very much go out of my way to to make people feel included and um, and that and like they are important to me. Um, 
one of the things that I love doing is having people around so I can cook for them because I feel like there's there's that whole uh, you know um, evolutionary monkey brain thing of like when you eat together it brings you closer that that kind of thing um, and I would say that I would on a slight maybe. I would say that that is like friendship is incredibly important to me, and that has been taken advantage of sometimes in the past. So it's taken a lot for me to be able to make sure that I'm always in a healthy sort of relationship with with people. That's not where I'm not being exploited, and I don't feel like I'm taking advantage of others either. Um, yeah, that's that, that is pretty much it. And also, I don't know if. I'm hoping it's, this is not the case with anyone that ever has to do this, but I really hope that, like, whenever anyone's in a band together, they are friends. It's not just about some guys coming together for the sake of, like, oh, we're going to go and make some music and then not talk to each other. That kind of thing. Yeah, I feel like music's always going to be elevated once there's an actual, to coin an American term, synergy between band members. <laughs> God, I hate that word. Do you remember so, the Simpsons so episode corporate. about that word? No, I've never seen it, no. <laughs> of course Simpsons have done it before I've fucking done it. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. That's fine. But uh, yeah, but there is like when that synergy is, uh, you even have to say it in an American synergy. accent. That like, I think it just then kind of lends to the cohesiveness of the musical output. Definitely, like uh, I get play music with with um, with three of my best friends, and that that rules. Like I wouldn't have been able to make Turnus without Alistair. Like, and he's not only been a guiding light for me in regards to just music, um, like where he's a very good good at like critiquing what I write and being like, hey, this is this is great, this is great, this is not great. We need to do something better. Um, on the song "Worst Reality," uh, which is the second one, there's a part that, like, that's the um, you've got the solos sort of in the middle of the song, and then that was basically where it was going to end. But then he, we both listened to it, and, and then it was a case of, nope, it's not, it's not finished. We need to do more. And that was that pre-production. So that was when when we were like on the way to, to making this this happen. Um, but not just that. Like, like the other thing that I can quite rightly thank him for and kind of feel like I owe my life debt at this point is the fact that he dragged me out of the abyss when you know there was a point in my life where I would say that I was very close if not in denial about being sort of entrenched in alt-right beliefs and he was the one that pulled me out and be like look you need to really be thinking about what's what you're saying what you're actually believing does this actually ring true to how, how you're living your life and then after I don't know a few times of meeting him and, and discussing what was going on in my head, it was kind of like a case of, oh shit, like this, why, why am I like this? Why am I doing this? And then, and yeah, he, he made me, uh, he made me the, the, uh, frothing at the mouth comrade that you've got now. So. <laughs> I had no idea about that. It's, I've been through a lot of stupid stuff in my life, which have resulted in, I've been the result of mistakes and good intentions gone, either being taken advantage of or being led down because I'm angry at the world, but I don't know where that anger is supposed to go. Mm. And then there are many forces and organizations that are all too willing to take that anger that's impotent and going nowhere and place it into their nefarious means. Um, I wouldn't say, like, 
and I know nowadays I try and do the exact same thing that he did, where it's like, you know, if I'm seeing someone that's like within sort of my vicinity, who's who I feel like is is a risk in that regard, I'll try and make 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 my way to be like, look, are you sure this is what you're you believe, or are you just angry? Yeah, and that type of thing, because it's it because all it does is hollow you out inside. So and that's why friendship is important because it's it's up to us to keep everyone everyone else around us safe mm. and that's socialism uh, uh, literally in, in one sentence <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome i'm really yeah. glad that you like well i'm not glad you had the experience no no um, but i'm glad that you've you've learned from it and it's become a positive thing the, now. the most i can say is that i never uh, thankfully i never hurt anyone with those beliefs because they were always kept private to me and and shared with with like the people I felt like I trusted, there was never actions behind them, but it was like looking back and it, it's worrying like that that can happen. And you think you're not aware that, that, that there's something wrong with us, mm. you know? So, but then that's what happens when you've got a madman in the white house uh, with his influence across the world. So, yeah, I think therein lies the problems where there's always going to be echo chambers that are going to back up what you're thinking, no matter what the beliefs are. I think what people underestimate is how much of an echo chamber is built um by the outside like it's not just a case if you start like because we as leftists also have an echo chamber that's that's undeniable but it's it's not just a case of we are um you're saying oh capitalism is, is bad and and suddenly everyone else agrees with you you seek out people who who are resonating with with that as well you're not actively looking for confrontation I am not going to go out my way to go and speak to a Tory, <laughs> you know. Um, but, but yeah, I, f I think just having that self-consciousness to be able to, like, rebuild and having the people around you to support that is the most important thing possible. That got really deep, didn't it, fellas? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fellas, is it socialist if we're friends? Uh, so. <laughs> so you mentioned, so Alistair... Uh, also an Ashen Spire yes. and then uh, Fraser Gordon also an Ashen Spire uh, yes so uh, I accidentally poached Fraser from, from Ashen Spire they were very much about um, I think they had originally given me uh, the offer of like hey if you need a second guitar player once you start playing live I'm up for it and then when I the first day that, the, that we had them in the practice room I was like Oh God, you're amazing! Please stay. <laughs> and, and just so happens that they're like, yeah, I, I would like to stay. So, that's good. And then, yeah. Uh, so we've got them, and then uh, and then Alistair Harley. This is where it starts getting tricky because you've got two people named Alistair with slightly different spellings. Oh. Um, is it Alastair and Alistair? Well, I think we're provisionally we're we're calling Alistair Ar Alistair Harley Ali, and uh, and Alistair is just Alistair. Um, but I've known Ali ugh, 10 years now, I think. Yeah, 10 years. Um, we met in a comic shop and both um, both just happened to have uh, plenty of love for comics and, and, and music. And uh, he, like, Ternus is his first band, but he's stepped up to the plate like no one, no one else. Like, I've never seen someone so enthusiastic about their first band. And it's really cool. And uh, he's very good when it comes to our on-stage presence because he's the one, like, um, moving about lots and 
he's got wireless units, so he likes to dunk about the crowd, like when he's uh, when he's playing at takeoff when it comes to the baseline. So cool. the live clips looked amazing, by the way. It yeah. looks so cool. Yeah. Oh, thank you. We're um, we're trying to. Uh, I played in cross punk bands for, for long enough, so it's uh, trying to keep that energy where it's like. Uh, I remember like on one of the um, one of the, I think it was uh, like the last song where uh, my guitar strap fell off and all I did was just like oh that's fine I can just go and go and get a water come back and then start the song the song again whilst Fraser's playing the, the clean guitar lines yeah mm-hmm. and it's and everyone loved it so it's just like about making the best of the mistakes that they make on stage so yeah. It's just that punk rock aesthetic is just so important in live music, I think, so isn't it? So important, yeah. Because it's just like so many times, I feel like in the black metal scene especially, you get bands with, I would say, zero stage presence. And yes. Like, and I know part sometimes it's about the mystique of the band and deliberately being as you know disconnected from the music as much as possible. But that's just not what I enjoy. I just like going to shows with high energy. Watching Lowen at Bloodstock was was like that for me as well. Was like you managed to, to to have both a punk rock energy and like a almost like an esoteric aesthetic at the same time, and that was just like yes, this is this is what I love. My, my head's gonna explode because my ego is just gonna come out of my eyeballs and my nose holes. It's just too much. Thank you. Uh, especially being right next to the Shem's uh, amp as yes. well. Just like yes, this is. This is what I've needed all festival. <laughs> it's a it's a great stage. I think the Jägermeister stage is kind of um, what do you call it? Kind of underappreciated. Like a, oh, good acts there. I as far as I'm concerned, um, so one of the things, one of the things that I really really despise, and I hope I'm okay to say this uh, live, but the whole metal to the masses thing makes my eyes bleed. With um, <laughs> particularly because the New Blood stage is also just terrible. That is not a stage that anyone should be aiming for. You should not be looking to win a competition and uh, to to get on a stage that sounds like cack. And you know, you're, nobody's going to remember you anyway. No offense to the friends that I have uh, that have played it, by the way, but you know, saws. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but whereas you guys, uh, you know, you guys really worked hard, got onto a good sounding stage, a good looking stage. And it was, and, and at the end of the day, like I imagine, like when, when I think of your guys' music, yes, it probably uh, works better in a claustrophobic and crowded, small, dark venue. However, the fact that you guys can play that in an open venue with just a you know a canopy, to- um, a canvas top in the middle of, of daylight, after after Paradise Lost have been playing and make them look like chumps, not sorry. <laughs> you know, they're, uh, yeah, that, that is what good music is. It doesn't matter what setting it's, it's in. It can, it can just go and look good and sound good and feel good regardless of setting. You know, you're probably going to have to get rid of all that. So, no, we, we'll keep it. Right, okay. Seeing as it's all very nice things about us. Right. Nina hates compliments. <laughs> can you see how uncomfortable I am? I'm sort of just like squirming. Like, can you get any 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 more tucked into that? Audience? Can you tell I'm a performer? <laughs> it's really nice, but I just don't know what to do with my entire existence when people say nice things. So uh, thank you. Yeah, that... I appreciate it. I, I'll just try and not be shit at... Yeah nice things 
Ah. <laughs> Cards. Card. <laughs> Next card. What would you Cards. like to turn over? Uh, let's do uh, a river of past, present, future. So we just turned over the message. I'll read the intro for the car. The car. The car. We have a car. We have a card. The message, lying on the deck, drawn up from the ocean depths among the fishermen's catch, very Tyrannus-related, lies a bottle containing a message. This card symbolises the promise of a message, whether it comes by letter, telephone, from a friend, or there again, it may come from our own inner depths. The card warns us to be prepared and receptive to the message of its tidings of important news. I think that relates back to my uh, earlier point about Alistair kind of keeping me, keeping me right and just encouraging me to listen to not just him but myself um i think especially as i've gotten a bit older i've been a lot more contemplative about who i am what i say what um even how i say it um yeah like it, you have to you have to listen to to not just others but yourself like if something doesn't inherently feel right then you don't do it like um We've, at this point, Turnus hasn't been offered uh, anything that I would say that would um, uh, uh, kind of clashes with our beliefs. We've been quite lucky so far that the cassettes, for example, that we got made have been by by people that we we were quite happy to be associated with. Um, the record label that we are on, that we are with, um, is uh, True Cult Records, who are affiliated with the anti-fascist black metal network. That's huge for us. Um, even just dis at the point where I started describing myself as an anti-fascist, that took a lot. That was a lot of like sort of listening to others and listening to myself. Like, okay, like what what is this? Because kind of going on a slight tangent, I very much believe anti-fascism is the default for most people. It's just that we've been convinced it's not. Mm. Like like how the how is anti-fascism? A radical idea. Why? Right. Why is not liking racism so controversial? It, it, exactly. Like, and it's really, really strange to me when the subject of right versus left wing politics gets brought up to bands who are sketchy, and I hope there are people who who uh, know who they are. But then they decide to try and um, write five hundred paragraphs uh, that dodge the question. Yeah. Um. It, it's the default. Like nobody wants to be ruled by a fascist. Nobody wants to watch others uh, be oppressed by fascism. So why is anti-fascism? Like why have we been convinced that it's there's some radical term? It's not. Like if anything, anti-fascism should realistically be considered, like normalized. So it should be baseline humanity. Exactly, and going into efforts to, um, like to promote that should also just be normal. But instead, we've got really weird bands trying to be like, oh, we're about English heritage, Scottish heritage. And it's that's considered that's considered normal. That's considered like fine. No, listen to yourself. Listen to your heart. You know, this is wrong. Don't go like just stick. Just stick with with the plan. We don't want people getting hurt. We don't want people living lives uh, where they're wishing that, that, that much better could could be for them or that the um that they weren't you know they weren't being subjected to someone else's will so 
that's that that's kind of where where my thinking was when I started kind of really considering uh, turning this as an anti-fascist band, and it was from listening to myself and listening to others and, and how that kind of what our perception was from there. Um, but going back to what I was originally talking about in terms of opportunities we've been offered, I feel like if something as controversial here, if Bloodstock asked us to play, I don't know if we would play it based on what we've, we've learned recently because I don't want to be part of that circus uh, of tokenizing various um, diverse bands who then, but then behind closed doors, the organizers are massive pieces of shit. So, so until like something like that changes where we can see for certain that, that, that that's not the case anymore. I don't like there, there will be stuff that we turn down soon. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, I could just be picking myself up here and be like, oh, people are going to be mad for us. But no, we're going to be really discerning in what we, we choose to do from this point onwards. I think that's it's you've made a lot of astute points there. And I feel like that's so important to like uh, the art that you create. Um, is there any, have you got any sort of potential festivals or gigs or like dream lineups in mind that you'd love to play with? Um, so the only th- things I really, I'm really concerned about and like that, that I want to play with, I want to play some shows with Hell Ripper because that's my, like, he's my lad. Um, I want to play some show, some more shows with Devastator, which we're booking them up, up there. And uh, and in terms of like big, big stuff, the only big plans I've got is somehow getting turned to other parts of the world, like um, Japan, Australia, Italy, um, maybe even Brazil. Like where there's a big anti-fascist scene there. Um, somehow getting that, and maybe one day supporting Carcass. That would be, but. I feel like our goals are a lot different to others. People see like a, uh, like certain bands will, but no, most bands who are, haven't got really a direction will just look at the usual. Okay, if I play some shows, uh, I'll eventually um, get some support slots, and then from there I'll be able to you know make friends with someone in Vader who will then take me on tour in Europe and then we'll just do that. Like they, they look at it like a guitar hero campaign, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, that's just not it. Like, like I'm at the end of the day, I have to like, not just me, but my bandmates, we all have to balance life as normal with, with this. So it really, I want, I want to turn this and, and what it brings across to be successful but not at the expense of any anyone involved in it. I don't want anyone having to be like, like losing a job or having to um, having to eat less because of it. You know. Yeah. Also, touring sucks. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the eighties anymore either. It's not like there's these revenue streams that are that are as available to bands these days. Like it's fucking tough i remember reading one year like this was maybe like four years ago devin townsend says that after everything he takes home about sixty thousand canadian dollars a year i'm thinking that's devin townsend mm. yeah. and that's I mean? canadian dollars as well exactly yeah. so that's about that's about like that's well, 40 grand yeah yeah. yeah yeah that's actual money this is where i get to plug creative scotland though because they funded our album oh amazing, oh, amazing. so i have I told you about this yet? I don't know. No, no. No, okay, right. So 
in Scotland, we get to operate under social democracy. It's really nice. Not perfect, but we do like it. And um, there's quite a lot of sort of uh, creative uh, arts funds um, which you can apply for. And uh, one of them is the individual um, open fund, which is uh, actually run uh, in partnership with the National Lottery. So basically what happens is the National Lottery um, provides um, funds uh, to the Scottish government who then put it out into grants. And you can apply for those those grants to fund your art project. In this case, we, we applied for it for our album. So we got, um, we, we've got full recording uh, at Wachunky Studios in Glasgow with Scott McLean, funded. We didn't have to pay a single penny to that. And it's also going towards part of the promotion as well, which is including a music video with Callum McMillan. That is a better deal than any band in the 80s ever got because we're we're not having to give them anything back. We're not paying it back in these weird um, like layaway installments. We're not having to give them our publishing anything. It's a case of we told them this is what this is the album we want to make. This is what it's about. This is who's involved. This is how long it's going to get get taken to, to get done. And. Um, and Jamie Houston, who was the was one of the heads uh, of um, of Creative Scotland, he he made the decision to grant us that money, and we were able to we were able to record an album without having to go into debt, which we were like we were obviously prepared to do so because you know you want like you're going to want to get this done no matter what, but Creative Scotland made that happen, and I love that. I also want as many of my friends and as many people who want that to be able to do that. Like that, that is so symbolic of, of what I want for everyone. Anyone who wants it should be able to just make art and be able to not have to worry about putting food on the table the next day. Yeah. So uh, if anyone watching or listening to this wants some advice in regards to ap- applying and it lives in Scotland, please do. Cause I will happily like I would, forward you on to Jamie Houston or get you speak or help you with the applications, anything like that. Um, and that's why you should move to Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's go uh, yeah. Would yeah. you mind helping us move to Scotland? Like... I, I could be like the, the, the translator. So yeah. <laughs> just, just don't move to Aberdeen because you'll really, really struggle with the accent there. But I yeah, think that's a struggle of us being there <laughs> Just right. watch enough Lemmy videos and you'll be fine. Yeah, I, I do love Scottish accents, to be yeah. fair. I think they're great. I was I was actually, um, without delving into too much detail, um, a Lemmy video helped perfectly describe some of the dramas at work at the moment. <laughs> it was the, the steel versus feathers one. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, there's certain people in the company I work for that don't understand basic maths. <laughs> And it, it tears my brain out. But have you ever seen the Steel vs. Feathers clip? Oh, I love it. It's so good. Uh, also, to, to dispel a meme that's current, currently going around that he's helped circulate um, as a joke. Um, purple burglar alarm. <laughs> Very nice. good. Nice, you can say it. It's because it's, it's West Coast Scottish people that can't ah. say it. It's because of the, uh, the Irish influence uh, on that accent. Whereas, for whatever reason, us um, East Coasters can do it. No problem. Yeah, my mum also said it without a problem as well. So, yeah. yeah. Where about is, the, is it your family's from? Uh, Dundee. That's why, they're East Coast. Yeah. That's where most of my family's from too. Yeah, it's just, I uh, love learning all the Dundee kind of like vernacular and slang. Do you ever know the word balfin? Balfin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so some, someone smells bad. Uh, yeah. uh, they're balfin. Yeah. Balfin. The term I try and use in my day to day life. Nice. Yeah, that was a good one. I learned a word. 
Let's oh. on a wordle soon. That was quite an impactful card. Yeah, That's... it's a very artistic one. Do you want to go for the present? Present, yep. <coughs> that was like very corn esque. I thought we were going to start scatting. <laughs> so you've turned over the stranger. the stranger. So that is number 30. I shall read the stranger to you. In shadow, making an entrance in the doorway, stands a character whose sex is ambivalent. The stranger perhaps symbolises that part of our nature that we've shut out. That is now entering in a surprising way. It is the equivalent to the anima or animus, the excluded part of our psyche that is the opposite sex to our own. It can also stand for any person we have underrated or neglected, who could prove themselves a force in our lives. Represented here is also the caution and apprehension that we feel towards the new people in our lives initially. That's a hard one, actually. Um, again, because... Um talking about before where I'm trying to always be a lot more conscious uh, when you become more conscious of yourself and how, and how you work you you are bringing in more parts of um, um, of what you've probably shut out or uh, or tried to keep uh, hidden um, on the other note though like there are this could relate to to um, either making new friends um, or reconnecting with, with old people, with, uh, so old, so old people, older friends, people that have come, uh, that have been in my life before and have come, come back or whatever. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure how to take that card. How do, mo how do most people normally take that? Everyone takes it differently. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I can't remember the stranger coming up too many times. It's a rare oh. one. I think oh. it's it's um you know people you can meet at shows people who will be discovering your music, mm -hmm. how that will impact you and how you will be reacting to that. Yeah, I mean, that's, there's been a lot more, since we started working on this album, there's been a lot more people involved in it, which has been really cool. Um, there's, a, like, especially in terms of promotion, um, uh, shout out to Saeed of Kabar PR, who has really done a lot of good work for us so far in regards to just getting getting our name out there on the back of a you know a demo that was was written recorded and at home uh, and released because again out of anxiety because I'm like <laughs> it's it's 2020 uh, and you know we're still on the back of the the EP that I don't like so um can relate yeah. <laughs> yeah probably probably more so <laughs> um yeah no I'm, I'm not totally sure how to take that i think in terms of me as my in terms of like inner stranger i don't think i think I've, I've never known myself more than than before i would say that but what aspects have come to light more recently can't say for certain that is an introspective one. Um, well placed next to prison, because that is another psychological card. Ah. Indeed. Do you want to go for... We'll go for that. The uh, middle of your future. That wasn't... The message was much more dramatic than the stranger. <laughs> no! Oh, no, no now. We all know now. Oh, now. <laughs> okay. No now. Okay. No now. Um, so number three, I will read no. These are these are tend to stump people. These ones because they're like the question answer cards. Mm -hmm. um, no, hold back. A red light. A standstill. A negative card. The end. Was that it? Yeah. Oh jeez. That's all it says. Oh. So, no in regards to the future. 
there may be things you have to say no uh, to. Well, actually, yeah, it really just goes goes back to the point we, we made earlier on is the fact that we are there are going to be things that we have to say no to, but, uh, just surely out of principle. Mm. Um, some of that can, can even be like with my accidental, um, what you call it, my accidental reputation as a promoter, uh, where I'm not going to book bands that I don't like. I'm not going to book bands that I definitely disagree with. I'm not going to play shows with bands that, I, that we disagree with. That type of thing. Um, and probably, and the shows that I do book, I'm probably going to have to keep kicking people out <laughs> because they're not welcome. You know, um, that's pretty much. Um, and I think because going back to the mother card where I had a horrible time saying no back in, back then, I think part of what that's telling us there is that I have to be saying no from here on. You so know, it's so reinforcing that. Reinforcing that, yeah. And sometimes you have to say no to nurture yourself. Oh, that's definitely. That's what you need to grow. There's, uh, I absolutely despise toxic positivity. It's, yeah. It's just, it's unhealthy. It's really cultural gaslighting more than anything else. Um, but yeah, just just say no, kids. Just don't just just say no to to bad bad strangers. Say no to grow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shall we see what was driving you forward in the past? This one. That's the one. Cool. The beauty. <laughs> I know what Ooh. this one is. Oh. <laughs> 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 microphone down i'm so sorry about our uh, very diy setup that's punk as fuck <laughs> I've got it, don't worry. thank you so much I'm clearly technically very proficient when no, it comes tell to i've had to deal with uh mic stands mic in the past. <laughs> <laughs> that is honestly the amount of times i've been kicked in the teeth by a microphone yeah go and read that out but since we read out all the others but i already know what this is <laughs> Or who this is. Mm -hmm. um, uh, wait, no, I, I read the number wrong. It's 27, not 27. 37. My eyes. What is wrong with my eyes? Taking you spectators, then. So, <laughs> please. This card, I, I must say, this booklet was written, I think, in, like, the 70s, so it's sexist. Oh, um, great. And there's going to... You're going you're gonna to hear the sexism in approximately 30 seconds. All right. A beautiful woman in a fine Tudor-style gown is seen looking at her reflection in a mullioned window as if she is waiting to make her entrance and checking her appearance. The character stands for the element of passion and romantic love. For men, it can mean a love affair of the sort that inspires great art. For women, it can paint... It can point to a flowering of the awareness of her sexuality or the presence of a rival in love. The card can have implications of danger and one aspect of the face of beauty can be a demanding whore. We're going to ignore that last part. Yep. Um, this card is very much about uh, my partner, Caitlin, who you two know very well. Um, we've known each other over a decade and very much infatuated with each other for uh, as long as that, though. It was um, so many opportunities were kind of missed because of life. But, you know, pandemic happens. It kind of puts a lot of things into perspective. And we, uh, and yeah, we, we made it happen. She moved 400 miles to, to be with me, which is probably the biggest compliment you could ever pay someone. <laughs> <laughs> so I can, can only, can't say, say properly 
ever, and I do tell her this every day of how much I love her. And not only that, but she she is a driving force for me. She she is she is my conscience. Like she's very good at every any time I'm I'm questioning stuff. Uh, do anything in my life, whether that you know, like not just in music, but um, decisions and situations with people. I always ask her, and she, you know, nine times out of ten will give me the right advice and on what I need to to either hear or encourage me to do the thing that feels like it's the hardest thing of all. But to go into the music thing, I don't know if you guys have noticed this. Uh, I don't know if I sent you the credits um, for the the album, but she's. Um, on the demo, she's uh, credited as a as a producer, and in the album, she will be credited as a producer as well. Amazing. Because so this is one thing I, I kind of came came to me for uh, one point was you're always gonna ask your partner about what what they think about your your art. Okay, you yeah. just it's just what you do now. Uh, you and Shem are, are in a really good posi- position because you you're, you're in a band together, so that's. That's a working, you know, artistic relationship. That's you know, the end of the day, both you're gonna get, get credit no matter what. One thing that really annoys me though is when guys are like dragging their partners into into whatever artistic thing that they're doing, and then don't give them credit. Like, if <laughs> if you're with someone and you're saying, "Hey, can you listen to my song?" and they and if they say anything more than, "Oh, that's nice." You need to give him credit. <laughs> so on, uh, so for example, on the song "It Take If," which um, you guys have heard, heard the full album version of, but it, it, there is a demo version of it as well. After the first chorus, there's a break of of the four beats. That was Caitlin, and in the song um, "Worst Reality," uh, the solo in the middle has a build up. Um, Caitlin really sang that to me, saying that's what she was hearing. Because originally so cool. that wasn't part of it, and then and, and I was like, "Oh my god, that that sounds amazing!" And then just in general, it comes to me like either mixing or choosing tones, anything. I will be asking her, "What what do you think?" Because she's got an amazing mind for for music and in particular metal and how people may react to this. And this is why she's such a a huge um, like she's so good when it comes to social media. It's why she's successful on Twitch. She's just gotten to the point of being able to monetize TikTok and she's had a long career either on Tumblr or cosplay, Instagram, you know, she had nearly 40k followers at one point. So this girl knows what she's doing. She is the most talented person I've ever met as far as I'm concerned and I love her dearly, but not just from looking at her as, as you know, a beauty card and it's sexist tropes may say, but every day I, I try and learn something from her and I don't like Ternus's success is very much as a result of her influence on on us so so I don't I hope you don't mind me blush, uh, gushing about my partner for 10 minutes there it's lovely <laughs> we, we both know Kate we all know Kate she is genuinely a beautiful wonderful person we all love her how's she coping with the east coast winds and weather uh, she's doing all right with it. Uh, I think she enjoys the fresh air a lot, um, and she she's never felt like a decision has ever felt so right in her life, which I'm so happy for. Because like you, you know for a fact if you're if you're moving that far, basically to another country, um, and 
just to be with one person that that's a huge gamble but there's but at the same time i would have done the exact same for her if if that's if that's what it came to i would have happily moved into essex Thankfully, I didn't have to, because <laughs> I love my country. <laughs> I can't imagine you loving Essex. Um, her parents are wonderful people too, and so is the rest of her family. Um, but yeah, I would have. Um, it, it was a huge thing for her to do that. But the fact that we've managed to make it so successful for her and it's been so good, like I'm so happy that that is the case. Like she's so happy with with where she's at with building up her Twitch and being able to do that and you know we're we're building up our life um now too so next stages you know gonna be the usual of uh, house and then from there you know all the good stuff okay cool i can't wait to see that she she has done a fantastic job on social media i just want to add in when i was shitting on influencers and social media things earlier i was talking about like you know, like the people you saw in the Fire Festival documentary. Oh, yes, yes. No, uh, at this <laughs> point, she would never be be someone like that. So her, her her social media has always had substance behind it. Exactly. So, um, no, I, I like even just from like when uh, when to post on on certain platforms or what what to post and and all that. Like I always learn from her. She will always tell me what she's going to be doing next, and it's just like okay, so right, that makes sense. So I have begrudgingly had to take on a TikTok and will be taking on a Twitter at some point because unfortunately like uh, we do have to to follow into these these things to to make things a lot more successful you can't just put an album out and and hope for the best yeah Yeah. that's the thing I think there is kind of like a science behind social media that isn't kind of like talked about enough I feel like a lot of people that don't understand it think it is as easy as just posting things but there's all the analytics and all the technical things yeah and you know and like that is a lot of shit to consider yeah, I mean, it's why we, we even uh, like turn us into soldiers in color theory. Because I used to, when I was uh, 20, 21, I was in a course for software in, um, engineering. And part of it was video game design. And included in that was color theory about how something, how, how a piece looks, what it's meant to convey. And our, um, we went with like sort of that fuchsia pink because just because of like, it's both really nice and hard in the eyes at the same time and also like pink and black is anarcho-feminism um i wouldn't call us like anarcho-feminists at all just in in the fact that we we believe in free like freedom and uh, and liberty for all regardless so whether that makes us feminist or not cool like um but yeah like having a, a set image and theme and something that people remember I mean, on a, on a similar thing, like we all know, as soon as I say typo negative, you're thinking of that color green right there. Yeah. So like you can do the same with same with for us. It's like I, I hope when people think of Ternus, it's like oh, pink, purple, whatever. It's quite unique, actually. And you know what? Now that I think about it, whenever I used to make uh, custom wrestlers on the uh, wrestling games, I'd always have them in pink and uh, uh, like purple and black. So I thought it just ah. looks—it just looks so good together. It's also a subtle Bret Hart reference. So we'll oh no, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I did originally want to find a way for us to get like uh, pink shades, like his, his to, to to like give out at, um, at shows, but it's really hard to get pink aviators. Um, or to, or it's certainly expensive to try and get them made. So we'll, hopefully, we'll be able to do something like that. Something because aviators are cool and pink lenses are cool and yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, we can all agree on that. Really? Yeah. Shall we see what is... Driving the future. Driving you towards... Well, the future you're driving towards. Never. Never. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, we need to shuffle this deck better. <laughs> Five. I've had the last three cards like, no, now, never. No, now, never. <laughs> this sounds like a song. Um, all right. Number five. Let me read this. A black raven is shown standing upon a skeleton in the snow. A bleak outlook. The possibility of failure and the denial <laughs> of fulfillment. Damn. <laughs> 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 so that's, that is actually... Um, it's actually rather poignant for me personally because I have always had uh, an abject fear of failure which has driven a lot of short-term decisions. I've just left a job um, that I, well, a company I would say that I did not enjoy working for, but every day that I was in there was, one was, was thinking I would never get out, and two was, was thinking I would never amount to anything there, despite going from just a temporary guy on night shift to getting a permanent contract and getting a, and then getting enough promotions where I've now been able to make a, a viable career out of it. Amazing. Now, I don't like it. I don't like the fact that I have to do this and the and that that's what I have to do to support me and, and the, the family that I want to make. But it's, it is what the, it is what has to be done. And that whole, that word never is something I always push against. Like, you know, I'm never going to amount to anything. I'm never going to make a success out of any of the, the art that I make. I'm never going to be as, as good as someone else that's, that's maybe come uh, come from the same scene or, or whatever as as me. I'm never going to, you know, I'm never going to make it. And or going back to the past, there was many times in my life that I thought, you know, Caitlin and I would never be able to get together. And I've always pushed against that. So that's probably what I would say is, is that the word never is my antagonist. and But I am a very, very spiteful person. So it's, uh, it's, it's kind of fitting in that regard. I will never, um, I will never submit to never. Amazing. Yeah. That's a really good way of interpreting that card. I like yeah, it. Plays, plays back to the full. It does. It does. You're not allowing yourself to be imprisoned by mm -hmm. your fear of failure. Because yeah. no one likes no one likes failing. It fucking sucks. Exactly. But everyone's gonna fail to certain degrees at certain times. And the f it seems like you know when you've had situations where you weren't being great to yourself, you got yourself out of those situations, and you've done things that you thought were impossible. So that's yeah. pretty damn amazing. I mean, looking at this card, looking at these cards, like it's funny. Like obviously, we're when we're making sort of judgments uh like and we're talking about the prompts and all that like what these cards represent when you actually look at them they actually relate well to each other quite like for example like we were we're talking about how we couldn't really figure out the stranger too much yeah i actually only just kind of came to mind there that that the amount of times i've been a stranger to someone which has then resulted in friendship it's like you know, whilst also while whilst we're you know we're all in this prison that we don't don't want, like you know, you guys didn't didn't know me before Bloodstock, and then and now we're like, like it's some of the like best conversations I've had both on online and in this room right now have been the best conversations I've ever had in my life. So thank you all for having me here. 
Yeah, you're more than welcome. It's an absolute <laughs> pleasure to have you. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's just so cool. <laughs> I just love that. I love that, um, you know, I, d- I didn't know you play Magic the Gathering and that, you know, you have this interesting growth in your past as well. Like, uh, I respect that. I love that. Not the Magic the Gathering thing, the, the fact well, that we can po- changed we can, you I mean, like, you can, you, you will stop loving that as soon as I, like, do, like, a, an awful, like, cheap swarm and you're like... <laughs> get out of here, man. <laughs> oh, I love playing Magic so much. Don't worry. We should about definitely it. try and get some games at some point. Yeah, if we'd known, we'd have bought some Commander decks or something. Oh, in today. that would have been good. Oh, I was like, well, a... this is definitely not. In fact, to quote the thick of it, you will see me again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I should hope so. <laughs> well, that's brilliant. Do you have any final remarks? Um. Ternus's Unslayable album comes out around about April 22nd, Cards Subject to Change and all that. Um, and I want to bring Lowen up to Scotland at some point. Yes, please. Let's let's do that. Um, you can even We can even make a weekend out of it. Like, you just come up on the Friday, we play a show on the Saturday, and then we go and do something on the Sunday with you. Go, I'd love that. I want to hang out with Lee as well. I was gonna say, yeah, we've got to meet Lee Lewis. We've got to meet Lee Lewis. <laughs> Lee is, is like my, well, my really big but little brother. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he's the sweetest lad I've ever known. And it's just annoying that he lives like a 45 minute drive because I always have to go, go out and get him. But, he's, but he's, uh, no, he's, he's a sweetheart. Like, honestly, the, the, he is what I'd call the, the heart of, uh, of Scotland's metal scene. So. He really, he's a really sweet guy. We'd love to have him on the podcast as well. Yeah, I mean, if I can somehow, uh, if we can make that happen, I will do my best to get him down. I mean, I think he's he's meant to be uh, coming down to London at some point anyway, so we'll try and correlate that. I'd hope so, yeah. Well, that's awesome. Scotland just sounds lovely and nice and wholesome. Yeah. And it's good. It's, it's not perfect by any means. We still have our fair share of wankers, but I think like there's enough of us that can shout them down at this point. So. I think that's something a lot of promoters here can um, take as an example. Is like not just because someone's paying for a ticket doesn't mean that they necessarily should be at the show. Fully, well, it's not even a case of uh, that. I would let someone buy a ticket at that point, or if if it was they had, they would they would get a refund. I wouldn't wouldn't be unfair like that. It's of just course. A case of at the end of the day, I've got an audience that I've got a responsibility to as a promoter. I'm not going to have anything jeopardize that. Mm. Yeah. So. Ne Nazis, ne Tories, ne Pedos, ne Creeps. Devastator get that. Why can't the rest of us? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming. Thank it you. It was wonderful. We've had a real journey through time and space. I know. This is this was uh I feel like I've just conducted open surgery in, in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for showing us your entrails. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening. Feel free to like and subscribe. And uh, from me, Floyd, and Callum, we're out. Until next time. Cheers.